0: Take your Bibles now and open them up to Luke chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 18, and really today as we study this portion of Scripture, we're going to respond, or should I say we're going to learn from the responses of a few different people. You ever watch somebody go through something in life and you learn from the way they respond? You just study them, maybe it's a good thing, they get blessed, and you watch them, and maybe they go through something hard and you watch them, and you can learn a lot from other people's responses. What they do. As a matter of fact, that's why we study the Bible. To learn from all the different responses of the men and the women and Jesus Christ himself and how he did what he did and how things happened in those days. And then as we get into the latter part of the text, and especially next week, we're going to learn a little bit more about John the Baptizer. I had intended to get further in the text than I did at the first service, but they were way too slow in their listening skills. And um, it just, uh, they, I don't know what happened. But uh, that, that being said, look at Verse 18. And I'm going to read all the way to verse 23, and then we're going to study together. It says, then the disciples of John. Ah, John's disciples, John the baptizer, Jesus' older cousin. Well, then the disciples of John, they reported to him, that is to John, concerning all of these things. And John, John the baptizer, he at this point, by the way, not noted in this scripture, is in prison. Just let that settle in. He's in Herod's praetorium, Herod's fortress." Okay, there's a picture of it right there. He's in jail. Raise your hand if you've... No, I'm just kidding. I've been to jail, okay? And I go do jail visits all the time. And it's, it's tough stuff in there. There's not a lot of good news coming and going. Actually, I get requests all week long. Can you come visit me? Can you come visit me? Can you come visit me? These guys go to John in jail to visit him. Now, you guys know that John was in jail for righteousness sake. Herod the great... Had done some things that were immoral. He had been sleeping around with other husbands' wives. <clears throat> John, not being a pushover, stood up and said, don't do that. What are, you, what are you, dumb? And he got thrown in jail for it. And now John's in jail. Jesus' older cousin, the one that baptized Jesus. just I want you to feel this. And John's like, all right, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? In, in that jail cell, they didn't have colored TVs and a library and a you know, pool table. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like some jails. Look at So they come to him and they say, hey, Jesus is doing stuff. They just reported all the stuff that had happened in verses 17 and 16. That comes right before verse 18 for you lower math students like myself. And and the reports were that God is among us. The prophet has arisen. This is happening. The centurion's servant is healed. Jesus wasn't even there. The widow at Nain, her son had died, and he just said, arise. And so these guys show up to the cell, Herod's cell. They're like, dude, this is nuts. Look at John's response. That was their response. We'll talk about their response because it's very important for you and I. These guys, these disciples of John, how they responded to what was happening, what they were hearing and seeing. Well, here's another response. Look at verse 19. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, he sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Now, he had just heard the reports of all that's going on. Dude, this guy is nuts. Everywhere he goes, lives are changed. Jesus is real. They had some Jesus is real hoodies on. You know. And he's, it's a, John's like, wow, are you for real? And then John has a question. You ever had a question? Questions are okay. As a matter of fact, I think most people, I think all people have questions, okay? Sometimes people find it surprising that I as a pastor have questions, but I have lots of questions. I have, question, I have questions. Here, John the Baptist has a question. Hey, go ask Jesus if he's the one. Now, the report was, this guy's going crazy. It's nuts. This is, this is insane. Well, go ask him if we should wait for somebody else then. You ever asked a stupid question? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got three kids. They ask uh, six or 7,000 questions a day. Okay, and a lot of them are just like kind of just stupid. You're like, really? <laughs> really? You know, And you're, as a parent, you know, you, you, you give them good answers, qual- quality answers every time. Imagine growing up in my house, man. Oh man. So John says, go ask him, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? <laughs> These guys are like, all right, John, we'll go see what he says. And now when the men had come to him, that's Jesus, verse 20, they said, and they throw John the Baptist under the under the bus. John the Baptist has sent us. They didn't just ask it for themselves. They're like, this isn't our question. This is John's question. <laughs> I uh, I didn't notice that until just now. That's funny. John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Now, it says in that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Now, I don't know if they asked the question, and then in the next hour, he did things and then answered them. Or if they, sh- I don't know, I don't know the timing here, but in the middle of the question, Jesus has a line of blind people boom, be healed, boom, be healed, boom, be healed, affirmities, boom, be healed, boom, be healed. In the middle of the question, somehow before or after, then they get the answer. So they're seeing it happen. I and mean, this would be like going to Five Guys Burgers and watching people eat burgers and staring at the cooks cooking burgers. And then when it's your turn, say, Do you guys have burgers? <laughs> right? And the guy's like, would you say, <laughs> you know, burgers here? It's hard to even have a straight answer. These guys show up, are you the one or should we wait? As if there's a bunch of people healing everybody, right? Like this is normal, like are you the one? Uh, seriously, Jesus Christ is, he surpasses all prophets and all leaders and all teachers and all men and all, everybody. He is in another world, and that's the way you need to respond to him. You cannot Lump him together with, you know, that one healer, or that one group, or it's all okay, or we're all, no. He did things in such a radical way that he is the only one who gets to be him. He said, there's one way, one truth, and one life, and it's me. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That was pretty intense. So, so these guys show up, and they ask him this question. Are you the one, or should we wait for another now, at this point, Jesus not only does an hour's worth of healing, but he turns and gives them an answer. And in my mind, and I'm not right, but in my mind, my imagination, I imagine Jesus Christ looking like Liam Neeson at this point, okay? Okay? In the movie Taken or something, you know, he's like, and he just kind of slowly looks at these guys. You know, uh, healing people. He just, you know, not even Liam Neeson dressed like Jesus, but Liam Neeson dressed like Liam Neeson. Like, just, you guys, you know, if you don't know who he is, that's, that's, that's not my problem, but... Uh, Listen to what he says, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, in his best Liam Neeson impersonation, go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I want you to feel the intensity of this response. In the list that Jesus provides, they knew all this stuff was happening. They're eyewitnesses. As a matter of fact, what motivated them previously to go to John's cell, Herod's Praetorium, these guys are liable to get locked up too. They go right into jail like John, just so you know. And they give the report. Firsthand eyewitness report. Very important for you to think about. And then he goes back these guys and they get this message and jesus gives them this list the blind the deaf the lame the lepers and the poor all being ministered to then jesus slips something in at the end i hope you caught that and blessed are you blessed are they that are not offended because of me this is and the guys scurry off with this message now just for you bible students getting ahead Jesus then turns back to the crowd who heard this response, and he begins to talk about John. He said, let me tell you about John. And you would think, at this point, John's seemingly in trouble. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, John just asked for a burger at Subway. You know, he's like, John's asking questions. And then Jesus turns to the crowd, and he begins to build John up. Not in the earshot of the two guys. He wanted John to deal with this, because John needed this stern message where he was. Don't don't raise your hand, but have you ever needed a stern message in your maturity, you can tell right now? Yeah, yeah. I I didn't want you to mess around. I needed a stern message. Thank you. Thank you for giving it to me full throttle. But but then as they scurry away, he goes on to talk about John being the greatest prophet that ever lived. He talks about John not being a pushover. John not being a pansy. John being a man's man. That's what he says in the next couple of verses. John's the the man. Now, isn't this cool? And we're going to talk about this next week. We won't have time this week. That I believe that's how we feel when we're being disciplined. Oh, man, I'm such a heel, such a loser. I'm just, I can't figure it out. And, and we feel that. And, that. and that feeling actually motivates us. It's called conviction, and it's to motivate us to greatness. And yet you need to believe right now that when God looks at you and speaks about you in heaven because you're clothed in righteousness, he can't stop talking about you. He is so fired up. He loves you. He's so excited about how you trust in his son. And he tells the angels, and he grabs them by the neck and says, look what they're doing down there. You know, Liam Neeson, you know, look at them, you know, and he loves what's going on. But there is that season down here where the Lord would say, Blessed is he who's not offended by me. Now, again, I'm going to get there in a moment. We're going to backtrack and go back to verse 18. The list that Jesus used, the things he's doing blind, deaf, lame, leprous, poor. Did you know that in the book of Isaiah, it's prophesied that the Messiah would address all those issues? Jesus knew that. So he's like, you tell John. He's, he wonders if I'm the one. Okay, tell him what the Bible says. Tell him what I'm doing. Did you know there's one thing in that list in Isaiah, the prophecies, that Jesus did not mention that John the Baptist would also know about? And maybe with a hand raised, say, wait a minute, forgot something. It also says in the book of Isaiah that you would open up the doors of the prison cell. Where's, where's John? Hello? <laughs> Now, just you guys who know this, you know how it goes. John's in jail. John would stay in jail. John would die in jail. And yet Jesus says to the boys, you go tell John what you're seeing. Tell him what's happening. And then you tell John, don't be offended at that, John. That better not offend you, John, that I'm not doing what you want me to do for you right now because I am doing for the world what I am doing for the world. We're gonna talk about that in a few minutes, but first I want you to focus on verse 18, and I want you to see these guys in their radical response to what is happening in and around them at that very moment. It says, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. I love these two guys, they're not even mentioned. They're disciples of John. John the Baptist had followers. Jesus came on the scene, and eventually, all of those followers of John would then follow Jesus. There would be a transition point, and these guys are listening to Jesus, and they hear from Jesus, and they run to John to tell him what they'd seen and heard they're called missionaries they're called witnesses and I love the fact that these guys take the energy to go and share what they had heard and seen now they're different than you and I in that they were firsthand eyewitnesses you and I are not they saw it they received it they heard it and they were obligated to then do something about it the reality is is Christianity requires us that we become missional in what we receive and the message that we enjoy Okay, they went and they reported this to John. Now, why is this important? There are so many opinions about Jesus. As a matter of fact, in just about any circle you find yourself in, I don't care if they're agnostic or atheist or weirdos or alien guys or whatever the case is, bring up Jesus. Most people, most people won't have anything negative to say about Jesus. They can have negative things to say about the church, or they can even throw the Bible under the bus if they'd like. They can take pastors like me and pick us apart, and they can find all kinds of stuff wrong. Jesus, though, he stands alone. And this is why your opinion about Jesus must be based on fact. It is so important. It can't just be the way you feel. Because there's opinions about Jesus, aren't there? Well, he was a good guy. Great guy. He was a good leader. Great leader. He was a, a great rabbi. Great rabbi. He was a guru. Great guru. All these opinions. Did you know that opinions are kind of like armpits? Okay, everyone has at least two, and they all stink. Okay, it's just, No? I'll say that one for the evening service. Okay, pretend I didn't say that, but that's what opinions are. Your opinions, what you believe, better be based on fact. These guys are a little different than you and I. They saw it. Like, this is crazy town. (laughs) This is happening. And so they went out and told John what was happening. Now, again, you who are here this morning want to be educated. You, maybe some of you want to be entertained. Maybe some of you just don't want to feel guilty later, so you're here. You're here to be educated. That's why you approach the Word of God You're here to be edified, built up. You're here to be inspired. You're here to be reminded, directed, encouraged to do what God has called you to do, which is to be missional, to talk to God on behalf of people, and to talk to people, that's the hard part, on behalf of God. What's going to motivate you the most is your own personal conclusion about Jesus Christ. If you have questions, get them answered. Okay? You better figure it out. If you're not convicted of the things of Christ, you will not be compelled to share the things of Christ. You just won't. And as soon as you're convicted of the things of Christ, you will be compelled to share them, I promise you. You'll have no other right choice. Sharing comes in so many different ways. We're all a different kind of evangelists. You're praying for people. Wouldn't it be awesome if just behind secret doors, just in your house, closet, wherever you're at, you just prayed for people, didn't even know it. Pray for that barista. Pray for that checker. Pray for that husband or wife. Pray for that son or daughter. Just pray for them. Lord, save them. Lord, take them out. Get up. You know, just pray and just ask God to change their lives. And by the way, do you know anybody in your life right now that was so far gone, so messed up, so upside down, and yet they're walking with the Lord now? Okay, just look around. God saves. So fun. But it comes from your own personal conviction. If you're not a good missionary right now, you don't pray to God on behalf of people and you don't talk to people on behalf of God it's probably because you're conflicted even in your own conclusion and you need to get those questions answered you need to ask those questions and find God as a matter of fact Jesus was with his boys one time Matthew chapter 16 write it down note takers and in Matthew 16 he asked the boys Pete specifically Pete what do people think of me And it wasn't because he was having an ego problem, you know, needed a boost. He wanted to make sure the message was true. What do people think about me, Pete? And Pete said, well, some think you're John the Baptist. Others think you're Jeremiah the prophet. Others think you're Elijah returned. Now, any day they mistake you for John the Baptist, Elijah, or Jeremiah, that's a good day, okay? Not if you're Jesus. Not if you're Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, cool, that's not true at all. I'm none of those guys. I'm at all. Pete, what do you think? What do you, in Matthew 16, and Pete said, we think you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, oh, oh. and Jesus said, that's the ticket. And on that confession, I'll build my church. And he began to then inspire Pete to know the truth, and he told Pete something. He said, Pete, you didn't learn this on Facebook. Well, he said it this way, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit opened up your eyes, didn't he? Because somebody was praying for you. And did you know that Peter's conviction was so grounded about Jesus that he was impacted and compelled to then be one of the greatest missionaries ever? Peter, on his very first sermon, <clears throat> 3,000 people would get saved. Okay, that's a pretty good preacher right there because he wasn't waffling. He, was, he knew. His very second sermon, 5,000 people get saved. I mean, the guy's got a natural gift here. You know what I'm saying? Like, He's good. Jesus asked him, though, who am I? You're the Christ, the son of the living God. (laughs) All right, let's roll with that. Let's build a whole church on that. And I say all that to say this. Most of you in here got this. This is all like, okay, what's the point, Luke? Move on. Some of you, though, in here don't know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is God. And it is your personal conclusion that will ultimately get you to stand up or will keep you on the couch and you will find yourself only shutting up. It's that that important. Now again, I'm an evangelist. I love talking to people about Jesus. I love questions and not everyone does in here i get you so i want to be sensitive to that you're, you're also supposed to respond in some way helping people to know about god start with talking to god about them and then god will open up doors for you to talk to them about god in one way shape or another put a shirt on just jesus is real start with that you know it's kind of on your face you know put a svc sticker on or just start praying or just check in at facebook on south you know south beach church or do something and god will use that as an evangelist a media evangelist in today's culture but you got to know that you know that you know first before any of that happens. Look at John's response, okay? I want you to keep going with me. We've got some ground to cover. And John, calling two of his disciples, said to him, or should I say, and John calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Stop right there. I was up here. John had questions about Jesus. And there's two different camps that will take this verse and one will belittle John and one will learn from John. And I want to do both. Okay, I think John was in prison. He was in a tough time, and he had questions about Jesus. And I want you who have, who have questions about Jesus to be able to ask those questions about Jesus. Even you who are firm Christians in here, read the scriptures, walk the scriptures, live the scriptures, and all of a sudden you find yourself incarcerated somehow, body, mind, or spirit. Something hits the fan, and you're like, I better ask my pastor some questions. I better, I better get in the book. I better pray about this. I, I thought I knew what I knew, but my circumstances right now are all jacked up. Wouldn't it be crazy to be John the Baptist? You're standing there. Oh, behold the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You get to baptize Jesus. I can't even touch his sandal straps. You're funneling all your disciples towards him. It's going great. Next thing you know, boom, you're in jail. And you're like, all right, all right, I didn't see that coming. You know what I'm saying? Like, my younger cousin, he's taking over the world. Like, this is pretty good. I'm probably going to have, like, a staff position of some sort. Maybe I'll be the youth guy. You know, I'm kind of crazy. You know, I eat bugs and honey sticks. I mean, that's a youth guy right there, you know. And you're like, I'll be great at this ministry thing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself. Can you imagine putting your faith in Jesus and standing for him and getting fired, abused, or hurt, or misunderstood? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine putting your faith in Jesus and having... Some interpersonal problems at home, maybe a marriage just dissolve or a child go weird or, or worse yet, bury a loved one and you, you gave your faith to Jesus, like this doesn't make any sense. That's what John's doing. He's double checking to make sure his allegiance to Christ is right. Hey, I thought you were, I thought you were the one, like are you the one? Because I don't know based on my situation, based on my circumstances, right now and I applaud John for being a student for asking questions if you're here today and you do have good questions and you want answers and you're not just an antagonist email me and we'll get together and talk a couple of days ago I was out here driving away and I was getting my car leaving and Larry the bus driver was uh he's fixing these doors making them work better and working on stuff and he worked a full-time job and came here and serving and, and I was leaving and he said bye and he said oh wait pastor I got a question And I said, Oh, I stopped the car, and he came over and he got in my window, you know, and he, he hey, give me some verses real quick, would you, on the whole once saved, always saved kind of theological stance that we have, you know? Kind of, I was like, that's a, you know, pretty pretty bold question for a guy trying to leave the church right now, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I gave him some answers and thoughts, and I said, Hey, I'm going to email you and give you all the verses I have for a stance like that because there's different varying stances. And I just am thankful that a guy like that who's serving the king, okay, in his spare time, spending, Lots of his money on the kingdom of God. Still, I got some questions. Can we talk about questions? Yes, we can. And you better be able to have confidence in your gracious Father and in the church here to have your questions. But at the end of the day, some of our questions are stemmed from a life that has spun out of control. Okay, tough times and setbacks. Difficulties. And when those times come, when those questions come out of your heart, even today, you're, some of you are here right now because you're supposed to be, your spouse drugged you here, or whatever, maybe your spouse drugged you and then brought you here, whatever, you know, you don't even know why you're here, or whatever, you know, you're here, you don't, or you're here because you don't want to feel guilty later today, or, you know, but you're sitting there looking all stoic, but you're, you're kind of ticked off, things didn't go right, you're not, the sovereignty of God's a joke to you, or you know, the hardship. You, you're plagued with questions. I had a guy send me a message on Facebook, private message, and he was talking about cancer and, you know, babies born with cancer and all the problems. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily like your God because of the difficulties in life. It doesn't make sense to me. I said, well, be, be careful who you blame. I said, I agree. The difficulties in life are real and, and confusing. I said, but to blame God, to, to remove yourself as a human from the, from the problem, the situation, I I said, and I used a simple illustration you guys are all aware of, that there's enough food on on the earth right now, enough food and water to feed and take care of everybody. No one should, 25,000 people per day die of hunger-related issues, complications, but there's enough food and water. But the problem is, it's sin. It's not God's fault. It really isn't. The, the chaos, the toxins in the air, the craziness, all the, the plastics, everything. I was just crazy. What's going on in our world today? The, the, the disease? Oh, if God were good. Really? And I understand that question. And you who are sitting here today, like I, look, man, I appreciate your whole God is good thing, but I feel like I'm in jail. I feel like things didn't go well for me. And so Jesus gives him an answer. He says, you tell John right now. You go tell him what you see. And he gives this list of those who are being impacted and then he ends by saying, you tell John, and you tell South Beach Church, and you tell everyone here, that blessed are they if they're not offended by me. Can you imagine getting this response? That John, he's doing crazy stuff, but not for you. Not now. And he doesn't want you to be offended by that. <laughs> now, in America, we, we, we like being offended, okay? It's like a sport. Like, how good are you at being offended? I'm super good at being offended, you know. I'm offended that you're not offended, you know. Let's be offended. Let's be offended together, you know. Man, I'm so offended, you know. And we just, ah, yeah, we just, I'm offended right now, you know. I go to South Beach Church because I feel offended, you know. Luke says stuff. Listen, Jesus says don't be offended. And I wonder if John was in the same boat that we find ourselves in, in, in real pain. I'm not going to try and undermine anybody's pain today, okay. There's some real trauma. Stuff that's, you know, there's like I said, there's churches today that will be flooded, some torn to the ground by the winds. Who are you going to blame? God? You think God can do stuff in that? You think God can redeem that? That's not my plan. Is it your plan? I don't want to ever go through a windy hurricane or a storm or bury a loved one too soon. I don't want to do any of that stuff. And I would ask, Lord, are you the one? Are you? And he said, yeah, I am. And instead of being concerned about what God is doing, listen. Listen, listen, John was more concerned about, more offended by what God wasn't doing. This is a pitfall for all of us. You see, in that list of miracles, there should have been the deliverance of those who were in jail at that time. And there would be later. Peter would be delivered many times, and so would Paul and others. The Messiah would do that. Not for John, though. And yet, simultaneously, like two roads running parallel, chaos, mistake, and evil, setback, pain, failure. God's sovereignty, God's goodness, God's mercy, God's kindness, God's redemption. Parallel roads. That's how it is today. Right now. And yet John, more tipped over by what wasn't happening. And I would encourage you who are right now tipped over by what is not happening. Maybe you didn't get the deliverance. You haven't got the provision. You didn't get the breakthrough. You had a rough thing served up to you. You're... Hey, tell John what is going on. Tell him I'll see him when I get to heaven because he's going to die. What? Well, can't you just, hey, cousin, throw me a bone, dude. (laughs) Like, do it. Do me a solid, bro. No. And don't be offended. That's big time. Faith, forgetting all I trust him. And in the midst of it, he's doing great things. This is like the best takeaway ever. Hey, make sure, he, make sure John's able to push on his reality and pull himself up and look over the cell walls and see that the blind see and the deaf hear and the lame walk and the lepers are restored and the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them. As you're pushing yourself up on your calamity, whoa, drop back down after seeing what God is, is doing. Christians, this is the message we have to a messed up world. To a world that is not going to get any better. It is going to get crazier. It's going to get weirder. Have you noticed who's in charge of the world? Have you just, here, have you just looked at the world leaders? (laughs) It's crazy, I can't believe what's happening. It's like a crazy game of Monopoly. Crazy people, everywhere, all over, every single place, nuts. And yet the Lord says, you know what I'm doing right now in the midst of it? So many things. I am doing so many things in your community, in your house, in your church, in your school, simultaneously. And Christians have dual perspective. We're able to see, pushing down on the craziness of the world and look into heaven and say, Lord, are you the one? He says, yes, hang tight. Hold on, I've got a plan. This is the message that he sent to John to hold on to. As they would walk John to the guillotine and take his head off of his body. All right. All right. Let's do it then. Well, these guys ask this question. Jesus then performs many miracles. Look at verse 21. In that very hour, he cured many of infirmities and afflictions, evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things that you've seen and heard and the blind are seeing and the lame are walking the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Tell John that I'm doing stuff and his best bet is to trust me. I had somebody come up to me after the first service. I don't know everyone here. But I would bet it's one of the situations that nobody wants. Nobody wants. And the response to me was, I want to be like John. I want to stand through this like John. I want to trust. See, John was a great man. Jesus sends this harsh word back to him, this stern word, and then turns to the people and says, let me tell you about John. John would believe. John would suffer this consequence. John would stay the course. John in his day was firm and strong. John. You know how you're going to do that? With faith. Trusting in God. Believing that he's doing what only he can do. Some people see it, some people don't. It's crazy to me. Isn't it crazy? I mean, I don't know if these guys were just obeying orders. Like, John told us to ask if you're the one. <laughs> I don't know if they just really felt dumb asking this question, but th- some people just don't see it. As a matter of fact, the very last portion of this section, verse 35. Jesus says something. He says, wisdom is justified by her children. We'll get there next week, hopefully. He says, just look around. What I'm doing, the the kids that are being born from my ministry, lives are changed. Can you not see this? Well, it's a phenomenon. This is crazy. A bunch of people driving hours and hours and cramming into a hot warehouse in South Beach to hear about Jesus. Yeah, phenomenon. It's weird. Coffee's good. It's the coffee. It's the coffee. No, lives are being changed. Faith is grown. People are putting their faith in Jesus. So fun. This was what John the Baptist was given in order to live his life well, to die his death well, and to hang on. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's a pretty serious list right there. It's pretty exhaustive, the gospel, It's pretty inclusive. Where do you fit on that spectrum? The blind see. Can you imagine not being able to see? Like just your, your eyesight's failing. I've got good eyesight so far. But can you imagine it starts to fade? Maybe you get a spot right here, just black. It starts to, okay, whoa, okay, whoa. And can you imagine losing your sight? Did you know that 285 million people are estimated to be visually impaired worldwide and 39 million are completely blind? 246 have low vision. 90% of the world's visually impaired are living in low-income settings. and 80% of all visually impaired can be prevented or cured. is that crazy? 80% of the blind people and visually impaired, get, but, but there's no, no help for them. Jesus comes and he gives sight to the blind. He, he removes that which is blocking Now again, these miracles happen in order that Jesus in his three years, he only had three years to accomplish this, to set his flag, let people make decisions. I'm going to do so many crazy things so you know the factual, actual reality of who I am that you could live in 2017 in the midst of craziness and know who I am and what I do. And he healed dozens. It says here in this portion, it says he healed many blind people. Now in the scriptures, there's only three blind people recorded in their story in detail. You guys know their stories. You've studied them out. We've studied them here, all of them. One of the blind guys, Jesus, spits on the ground. And he makes mud. And he puts mud in the guy's eye and brings him sight. I think this is illustrating that some of you guys were pretty dirty before you could see. You know what I'm saying? Like Some of you guys got pretty nar-nar. And the second guy, Jesus, does it differently. And he just spits right in the guy's eye. No mud at all. Just a little little cleaner, you know, not quite as crazy. Some of you guys have that story, you know what I mean? Read the book. And then the third guy, blind Bart, Bartimaeus, Mark chapter 10. He asks Bart, what's your problem? What do you want? He says, well, I want to see. He says, well, then go go see, dude, we're done. He just tells him you're going to see. And this guy gets up, simple faith, and he can see, you know. and Some of you guys see a little easier than others. Some of you need to get spit at a couple times. I just love this, though. Jesus heals the blind, okay? Physically and spiritually, he opens up our eyes. Each one of you guys have a different story, okay? What about the people next to you? Oh, well, they couldn't see. They're, they're so messed up. Do you have anybody in your life? I already asked you once. Do you have anybody in your life that's so dirty, so, wow. God would say, dude, trust me, I get dirty. As a matter of fact, on Friday, I think it was, I did a wedding, I think it was, and I was so, I was so stoked to, to show up. Just a quick wedding, okay? There's like four of us in this room. But to see God moving in, in these two, Pete Daniels and Cayenne. And, and, and I've not known Cayenne as long as I've known Pete Daniels. But, but to know their, their story, how, how, how much they got going against them. And even the road ahead of them is not going to be easy. But their faith is in Christ, simple faith. And to go and say, oh, God's grace, is," so, I'm so thankful for you, Pete Daniels. I've prayed for Pete many times. I've actually prayed weak prayers for Pete Daniels. Like, Lord, I don't know if you can fix this one. You know what I mean? And the Lord says, I got it. I got it. Do you know that? God heals the blind. Oh, they're so blind. Wouldn't it be awesome if more blind people could see Jesus? This is what he does. Tell John right before he dies, I'm healing people, okay? He needs to know this before it ends for him. Okay, we'll tell him. What else are you doing? Well, the lepers are healed. Leprosy in that day was life changing, life altering, devastating. You would be unclean ceremonially, spiritually, physically. You'd lose your feeling in your body. You couldn't feel your members anymore. You'd hit your finger and you wouldn't feel it. You'd sit there on the stove, burning your hand off, and your hand would be stuck there. And, you know, your nose would fall off, an ear would fall off in your stew, and eventually you'd just die. It was horrible couldn't hug anybody you couldn't your loved ones you, Ah, it's against the law to even touch a leper you wouldn't want to touch somebody without leprosy they'd get it did you know that without physical touch without some sort of emotional connection you, you actually die physically physiologically your body dies if you don't have physical touch that's why you see some of the the people living on the streets mentally ill people that just haven't been touched in years no hugs and it just, it just it destroys them leprosy would do that and jesus says i i fix that I heal you spiritually. You're now included in the family. You're ceremonially clean. What Jesus does. You're part of the family. I can heal you and bring you back in and give you what you need in order. I heal and restore, as Jesus would say, the deaf hear. Another miracle of Jesus to prove who he was. To give John the ability to suffer well because Jesus was healing the deaf. Can you imagine losing your hearing? Did you hear me? I'm just messing, that's funny. Thanks, Jan. Jan's quick. She gets gets all my jokes. I don't know about you guys, but that's funny. My pastor, Mark Anderson, was actually preaching on a Wednesday night, teaching from the Word, and his ear just kind of went high and then shut off. Left ear, done, gone, broken forever. He preached the rest of the sermon, just thought it would come back. It never came back. That's why we don't have Wednesday night services. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But it's funny, if you worked with Pastor Mark and you needed to ask for permission, you would just ask in his left ear, like, I'm taking tomorrow off, bro. You know? and he wouldn't hear. You know? If you're listening, he's like, oh, what would he say? And anyways, Jesus heals the deaf. He opens up ears to hear, both physically and spiritually, This is so good. Did you know that you can hear God through his word? You can hear God in your heart. I like to describe God's voice as loud thoughts, kind of just real colorful thoughts, just impacting. When I'm in a position to listen to the Lord, I just feel him saying, do this, or don't do that, or take care of that. That's the Lord. He gives hearing to those who cannot hear. It also says that the poor have the gospel preached to them, and Jesus was particularly interested in the poor. You know why? because nobody else was. Not only was nobody interested in them, but they were interested in him. And some of the rich and the high and mighty weren't interested in Jesus. He, they, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. The, the poor did. The poor had nothing. And Jesus knows hearts, and he doesn't favor poor or rich, okay? He, he does, though, respect hearts. And if your heart is distant towards him, if you're convoluted or if you're whatever, you know, hey, Jesus, has, Jesus is going after people that want him. He offers himself to everybody but the poor. And the good news is preached to the poor. And when I speak of poor, again, I need to say this. We're talking about those who are born into poverty or who work hard and can't catch a break and live in my marginalism and minuscule, meager lifestyles it's not at the unrighteous poor okay there are the unrighteous poor the ones who gamble away everything or drink away everything or smoke away everything or lose everything to foolishness and folly that's a different category of poor jesus says the poor the ones who nobody loves you know what the good news is to the poor those who have nothing the good news is preached jesus said you know what you know how much heaven costs so much you can't afford it so i'm gonna pay for all of it it's free it's free It is free. Now the poor, what? Free? Free? And the good news is preached to all those who are poor in spirit. And that's the message of Jesus. You go tell John, I'm changing the world. Okay? John was out in the woods. John could give a rip about rich or poor, okay? This guy was a great preacher, by the way. We'll talk about him next week. Can you imagine going into the woods, eating grasshoppers and honey sticks, putting a camel hoodie on, and coming out and yelling at people to repent and expecting people to show up? Okay? Like it's hard enough to get people to show up when there's chairs and coffee and bathrooms, you know. You're in the woods yelling at people. And I was like, Oh, you want to go to church today? You know. John was good. He preached to the poor, he preached to everybody. The last thing that Jesus said, I I skipped around a little bit on accident. There is that the dead are raised. This is crazy, okay? Because if you get a headache later today, or maybe a a stiff joint, you know, you can put some muscle rub on. You can take some Advil, and you can probably take care of that, right? Like, or maybe you get you know tired or cranky. You can take a nap, or you know, have a cup of coffee, or eat some food. You're gonna feel a little better. You know, eat a Snicker bar, and you're gonna feel all right. Or you can overcome some things. But if you die, you know, you're going to try this today. Call the pharmacy later and say, hey, I got, you know, I'm planning on dying one of these days. Do you guys have anything for that? <laughs> Call every pharmacy in town. <laughs> what, what do you guys got for death? <laughs> what? You know, <laughs> here's, here's my point. We can fix some stuff and you can, you know, take a nap, eat a snicker, you're going to feel better, you know, or take this, take some antibiotics. You die, it's over. Unless Jesus shows up. And just imagine this. This is how important Jesus is. Hey, Jesus, are you the one, or should we wait around for another, bro? (laughs) You tell them that there's dead people, and I show up, and they're not dead anymore. What in the world? Okay, only when the king of kings and lord of lords shows up to the game, you know. I'm the king. And all of a sudden, the dead are like, we're alive again. Nobody can do that except the king. You must know this about Jesus, He's not just one of some, a few of many. He's alone, the one, the true Savior, the healer. And He allows you and I then to not be offended at what's going on in our lives, even when we deal with junk. The world wants to be offended. Who can we blame? Hurricane Irma. Gotta blame somebody. Who can we blame for this? Oh. I saw this meme on Facebook, the, the 10 best people to blame for Hurricane Irma, you know, vegetarians, you know, and Nickelback the band, and, <laughs> you know, just just pick somebody, got to blame somebody, you know, <laughs> that's what we want to do. Jesus said, how about you just trust me, that in the chaos of the world, where I'm at, blind see, deaf hear, lame walk, lepers are healed, poor have the gospel preached to them, and the dead are risen. You tell John not to be offended. Okay, we'll tell him. We'll tell him. And then simultaneously, Jesus tells the people about how great John is. This is so cool. And Jesus would say to you today, he would sit right next to you and say, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Don't be so concerned at what I'm not doing and miss what I am doing. I've seen this in the ministry for the last 20 years where God is doing stuff. Okay, if you last 20 years of ministry, I like to be a part of ministries where God's doing stuff. It's like really fun. In every ministry I've ever been a part of, Jesus is doing something. But in every ministry I've ever been a part of, there's somebody complaining that he's not doing something. Well, what about this? What about that? You know? You know? And it's easy to be offended and complain. Can I just tell you, in the, in the midst of your real problem, your loss, okay, like I said, I don't know, don't know everybody, but I do know this. There's loss in this room. And somebody right now is even offended right now at this message. You don't even know what I'm going through. Trying to tell me Jesus does this and Jesus does that. Not for me, he's not. Replay the tape. Listen to the message. Jesus is real. And in the midst of a war zone, he's given us. We're the only ones, Christians. We're the only ones who have authority to speak this way. There's no governor, there's no mayor, there is no president, there is no anywhere able to say with confidence, God is good even in the midst of evil. God has a plan. Even right now, you do not have to let this define you or tip you over. You can suffer well. I'm going to invite the worship team. I would encourage you guys to read the rest, verses 24 to 35. I'd intended to get that far. Lord, I've talked a lot, and I really feel that this message is very simple. I feel, Jesus, that you would have us to be like those eyewitnesses. to to test the waters, to see what Jesus is doing. Is Jesus doing stuff? Is Jesus sending Chrissy Moody to YWAM to change the world? Is Jesus sending missionaries to Lebanon? Is Jesus sending guys to Antioch Training School? Is Jesus raising up people in our own community to go into Lincoln County Schools? Is Jesus changing people like Pete Daniels and Cayenne? Is he changing people? Do the blind see, do the deaf hear, do the lame walk? Is he doing this right now? Lord, I have seen you heal people physically in this church. Shoulders and elbows and knees. I've seen, I've heard, just the Lord healing. It's amazing. You're doing that right now in our culture, in our community. And so I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that we would be those who have our faith muscle grown today. That it would be exercised. And that in the midst of our own imprisonment, our real suffering, I think of John, it was real and Jesus knew it. And the Bible tells us that when John was executed, Jesus heard it. A couple chapters from now, a couple months from now, Jesus told his cousin to hang tight. Don't be offended, John. It's, I, I love you. I'm doing things right now, John. I'm not going to let you out of jail. Sorry. It's not your, not your story. Your story different, John. If you want to be a a Christian here, that is great, because Jesus would say that John is the greatest. Would you just even right now just nod in your heart in your own imprisonment, your own setback, your own your own difficulty? Just nod right now to the Lord and say, "I want to suffer well." Just let Him know I'll, I'll do it, Lord. You're doing stuff. You're, you're 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 doing things, Lord. It's not that you're not doing things. It's, it's that you are doing things even in the midst of my pain. You you are. Would you worship him? Just tell him, he, tell him he's right Tell him I'm not offended tell him, just, just worship him Just nod your heads. I worship you Lord It hurts but I worship you I trust you Lord in, in, in your widowness Maybe you're a widow here today Maybe you've never been married And there's just a, a, a pain in your heart and, you just, and the Lord would look to you and With a smile in his eye Say I'm doing stuff Don't forget that I'm doing stuff I'm always doing stuff And the Bible tells us that when John did die, that it broke Jesus' heart. He knew. He told his boys, he said, are you, let's go. And he grabbed his boys and he said, let's go, let's go spend some time alone. We need to go, go mourn the loss of my cousin. You see, Jesus doesn't just ask you to be a soldier with no emotions. But he does ask you to be a soldier. trusting in heaven having words that are not just temporal the governments are scrambling for temporal solutions the educators are scrambling for temporal lessons civilization is scrambling for temporal reasoning the Lord says what are you talking about we are eternal beings I am operating on a whole nother level If you suffer, if you die, if you perish in this world, you do so for me. And so, Lord, I would be one to repent as well, of whining and sniveling and wondering. Asking that question, Lord, if you're the one, then what gives? How's this, how's, how's this for Christianity? It don't make no sense. I, I repent for my attitude, for my weakness, my justification of sin and rebellion. Thank you, Lord, that you're so real. We ask in Jesus' name that you would continue to heal the blind in our community, the deaf, the lame, the the lepers, the the poor and the dead. King, would, would you show up? King, would you be here in power? Take over. Minister to the hurting. Those who today will lose everything in Florida, Lord, be there for them, we pray in Jesus' name. Show us how we can be there for those who hurt. Thank you for the table that we're about to celebrate, which shows us that you know that you would never have us go anywhere, that you weren't willing to go first, that you died, you suffered, you were buried, and you rose again. And you've asked us to examine ourselves and to come to the table and to commune with you and to celebrate anticipating your soon return. So we do what we do now in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Help us to be those soldiers who suffer well. Help us to be those missionaries who share about Jesus well. Whatever camp we're in today, may we do it by God's power and for God's glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.